All of us are responsible to God, regardless of the amount of material wealth that He has entrusted to us. 1 Corinthians 4.2 states, Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. Romans 14.12 states, So then, each of us will give an account of himself to God. For the next hour, Life 100.3 will explore how God provides us with wisdom in all areas of finances and provides a distinction between worldly attitudes as opposed to godly attitudes with respect to money. This is Faith and Finance with Chartered Accountant Tom Copeland and your host, Steve Jones. Hello and welcome to another edition of Faith and Finance. It is great to have Tom back in studio. However, we did ask for your questions in advance by phone, email, and through social media, and we'll present them to Tom over the next hour. Our topic for today is a timely one, dealing with inflation and high interest rates from a biblical perspective, part three. Tom will answer financial questions from many different topics. Tom has been teaching God's Word on finances since 1982. He has helped thousands of people reduce debt, build up savings, and experience God's peace in the area of finances. Tom's financial moments are aired on 196 radio stations and seven TV stations across Canada, including right here on Life 100.3, Monday to Saturday at 810 and 520. Tom is the author of the book, Financial Management God's Way, as well as several workshop series, including Debt Reduction, God's Way, and Managing Money During COVID-19. Tom is the president and founder of Copeland Financial Ministries, who teach what the Bible says on finances. For more information, check out copelandfinancialministries.org. Again, that's copelandfinancialministries.org. Hello, Tom. Thank you so much for joining us. Glad to be here, Steve. Thanks for having me back. Since our last interview, the central banks in Canada and in the U.S. have continued to increase interest rates. Can you take a moment to just break this down according to how it has impacted most people? Yeah, it's currently September 15th of 2023. If we go back to January 2022, a five-year fixed mortgage rate was about 2%. Today, that same mortgage rate is 6.25%. Further, by the end of 2021, people could borrow on a line of credit for about 1.5%. Well, today, the line of credit is costing them 8.2%. So clearly, interest rates have more than tripled. And as a result, many people are hurting financially because most people in our country have a lot of debt. Tom, this is such a big topic. In, In part one and part two of this series, you provided the biblical principles in order to help people deal with the inflation and the high interest rates. However, this time, you want to share some real life examples and some biblically-based solutions to their financial problems. So could you provide an example? Let's say there's a couple or an individual where their mortgage used to be 2% and it's now at 6.25%, and let's assume they have a $500,000 mortgage. Yes, Steve. At 2% with a 25-year amortization, which is common, the monthly mortgage payment would be $2,119 per month. However, let's suppose their mortgage recently renewed and it was at 6.25%, which is the current rate today. Again, with a 25-year amortization, the new payment would be a whopping $3,298. That's $1,179 greater or a 55% increase. And the truth is most people cannot afford these increased payments. I understand that the household debt as a ratio to one's disposable income has also increased big time. Can you explain that? Yes, Steve. As of August 24, 2023, Canadians' household debt as a ratio to disposable income is now a whopping $185 of debt for every $100 of disposable income. 
This means the average Canadian owes $185 for every $100 of disposable income. This is the worst I've ever seen it. And here's what's interesting. It's the highest level of individual debt in the G7 countries. And with substantially increased interest rates, lots of people in our country and around the world are having financial struggles. Further, a lot of mortgages are coming due not only this year, but also in 2024 and 2025. And when those mortgages come due, pretty much everyone will have substantially increased mortgage payments and most will be in financial difficulty. This is Faith and Finance with Chartered Accountant Tom Copeland. We are asking for Tom's wisdom today. Uh, we're learning already, but we also want to open it up so you can ask your questions. So we have questions online and we have phone calls. So let's begin with a phone call. Hi, this is Jackie from Peterborough. And my question for you, Tom, is what advice do you have for young families, um, families with young children who are busy? How can we best track our expenses do you have a system that is easy for us to use? Yes, what I'd suggest you do there is uh, go to our website, uh, copelandfinancialministries.org, and complete the Copeland budgeting system, form number six. What you can do to keep it simple is put all of your expenses on either a debit card or a credit card, so you have one place where all your expenses are being recorded, and then take that statement each month, a complete form number six of the Copeland budgeting system, and actually, if you do the rest of the forms, send it to me, and I can assign you a financial coach, and we can give you some biblically-based financial advice. But you're on the right track. Proverbs 27:23 says that we should track our expenses so that we know our financial facts. In your experience, Tom, how many people would do that, track their expenses? Maybe 10% of the country. 10%? That's it, yeah. <laughs> Looks like few. we have some work to do. Uh, okay, we have another online question. This one is from Chad from Lindsay. Is combining debt into one payment a good idea? For instance, securing a debt relief loan, having all outstanding debts paid off in one monthly or biweekly loan payment. Is that a good idea? Generally speaking, it is a good idea, Chad, um, because when you do debt consolidation in that way, normally you can lower your interest rates because I'm assuming, like most people, part of your debt is credit card debt, which is very expensive. However, you got to remember this. The fact that you've got debt means you've been spending more than you're making and you've got to deal with that because if you do a debt consolidation loan, you're treating a symptom. The underlying problem is that you were spending more than you're making. So what you have to do is going forward, track your expenses and you've got to develop and follow a spending plan or budget, whatever you want to call it, and make sure that you spend less than you earn and you have a surplus to pay down debt so you can get out of debt completely at some point in the future. I guess it's important to also note, Tom, that sometimes people might feel like they're alone, that, oh, I'm probably the only one who's maybe spending more than I'm making. And in this case, you're saying, no, this is probably more the majority than it is the minority. A lot of stats show that 80 to 90 percent of Canadians live paycheck to paycheck. That is, they spend all the regular income. They have no savings. So when something goes wrong, like is the inflation we've had, the cost of groceries going up, or interest rates. Interest rates is a real killer for people when their mortgages come due. Mm -hmm. Lots of people have what I call a negative monthly cash flow. They got more money going out than they have coming in. And if they do nothing, if they just keep running up their line of credit, they're going to eventually be in serious trouble. They got to address it ASAP. Okay. So let's talk interest rates again then. So could you give an example maybe of a couple who has a variable rate mortgage with a balance owing of 800000 which as you know, is not too uncommon today? Yeah, here's an example of a couple I counseled recently. When they purchased their home in 2020, they had an open variable rate mortgage. It was at 1.5%, about the lowest it ever got. And on $800,000, um, that costs like about $12,000 a year. But unfortunately, recently and over the last 
couple of years, the rate has gone up to like 8.2%. And so now there's, there's, they're, in, they're in trouble. Let's put it that way. They're now paying $65,000 a year of interest. And that means their interest costs have increased by an incredible $53,600 per year or $4,466 per month. And as a result, this couple had to uh, sell their home and downsize significantly. Can you give an example of someone or a couple who obtained the five-year fixed mortgage at the right time? Yeah, I can think of um, lots of people um, because it, certainly when rates went down in 2020, 2021, I didn't know the future, only God does, but I knew that rates were abnormally low. So it was a good time to fix your mortgage rate. And I think of um, one individual, he fixed his rate at 2% and the rates are now on a five-year fixed mortgage, six and a quarter he will save because of that about $100,000 in interest. It's just amazing. Wow. This is Faith and Finance with Tom Copeland. He is with us for the full hour. We are answering your questions and digging into today's topic, which will help us navigate inflation and high interest rates. Coming up, when times are tough, we asked Tom about whether it is a good idea or not a good idea to have one of those buy now and pay later opportunities. We'll get into that next. Faith and Finance with Chartered Accountant Tom Copeland and your host, Steve Jones. We'll be right back. Financial Moments with Tom Copeland. If you're in financial difficulty because of increased interest rates or inflation, I imagine that you're feeling anxious and overwhelmed. First, I want to help you obtain God's peace so that you can pray, study God's word, and discern exactly what God wants you to do. Here's some scriptures to meditate upon. Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. In Philippians chapter 4, Paul said, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And one of my favorites, 1 Thessalonians 3.16 says, May the Lord of peace himself continually grant you peace in every circumstances. To learn how to obtain God's peace in difficult circumstances, go to our website, copelandfinancialministries.org, and listen to the other 18 financial moments on this topic. To learn more, check out copelandfinancialministries.org. We are back on Faith and Finance with Chartered Accountant Tom Copeland. It is great to have him back in the studio. He has studied what God's Word says on finances and is passing that wisdom along to us. We'll also try to answer as many of the questions that were submitted in advance as we can. We'll get to more of those after we discuss the topic we mentioned a moment ago. Tom, what is your view of people who purchase, let's say, furniture under one of the retailer incentives such as don't pay a cent for two years? This is a very, very risky thing to do, and most people eventually get stung. Let me give you an example. I think of a couple who purchased $30,000 worth of furniture under one of these retailer incentives. Unfortunately, they did not read the fine print of the contract, and when the debt came due, since they were not able to pay it off, they were automatically charged 18% per annum back to day one, the day that they got the furniture. So that means just missing that payment for one day cost them 36% of $30,000. That's $10,800 of interest charges. And then the problem is going forward, they're still being charged 18% per annum until it's paid off. This along with some other debts this couple had put them into bankruptcy. Okay, so let's give a real life example. So somebody... A couple's moved into a new place. How would they purchase furniture? What would be your advice to them? My advice is go with used furniture. First of all, there's 
millions of people probably in our country that are downsizing because they're boomers and the kids have moved out. I just had a case recently. Um, and they're, they're downsizing and there's lots of used furniture available, Kiji, whatever, just network through people at your church. Sometimes you can get it for free. Of interest, I, I recently counseled a widow who needed a dining room table and chairs. Rather than going out and buying it, which was what she was planning to do, I recommended that she pray and ask God to do something out of the ordinary, such as giving her some really good furniture at an incredibly good price. After several months of prayer and, and waiting upon the Lord, Psalms 37, 7 says, rest on the Lord and wait patiently for him. A Christian couple who were downsizing their home had insufficient room in their new condo, so they gave their beautiful dining room set and table and chairs to this widow at absolutely no cost. As you can see, God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, Ephesians three twenty, Praise the Lord. I guess the lesson there is sometimes it doesn't happen within the next day or two. You said she prayed for months. Yep. <laughs> so that's a key too. Just sometimes it's our timing we want, but we have to wait on God's timing. One last comment. Often Christians don't even give God a chance. They mm-hmm. have a need and they just go out and buy it. Uh, yeah. Usually with debt, sometimes if they have the cash, but they don't pray and give the Lord a chance to do something out of the ordinary. And it's amazing what he can do. Okay, let's take some more of your questions. And here's another one. Hi, Tom. It's Kathy from Huntsville. My question is about investing. When we're given a portfolio um, of a variety of companies, um, I've just been more aware of the fact that I can't always be confident that those companies I'm investing in um, would line up with my Christian values. Is there something that we can do as investors to um, tools that we could use to do our homework to find out about certain companies? Kathy, that's a good question, and it's not an easy one to answer um, because it's very difficult to find public companies that trade on the stock exchanges that line up with Christian values 100%. It may be almost impossible. With private companies, I've seen it where they do and they got a committed Christian owner, but with a public company, it's much more difficult. Having said that, what I think is appropriate is to look at any particular company and ask, is there anything that they're doing that is clearly contrary to God's word? As a Christian, you want to avoid those companies. But this is not an easy one to answer. And finding public companies, the trade on the stock exchanges, where all their values line up with Christian values is, is really hard to do. I, there's very few. I'm no expert in this. I don't give specific investment advice. I would say there's a fellow I talked to recently, Jonathan Grant in Aurelia, who's a professional investment advisor and portfolio manager, who does make every attempt to do this for his clients when many advisors don't. They just go where they think they're going to make the most money. If you're interested in further information, uh, go to my website, copelandfinancialministries.org, send me an email, and I can help you further. And also, you could watch the uh, three half-hour shows on our website on investing. Okay, thank you, Kathy. This one came in online from Norma from Richmond Hill. She says, I have $300,000 in my pension fund. Should I move the lump sum into a tax-free savings account or a bank-held RRSP? Yeah, first of all, please do not move the pension funds into a tax-free savings account. If you do that, that 300000 is going to become fully taxable. You're going to have a mammoth income tax bill, likely over hundred grand. So if you have money in a pension fund, you're going to want to move it into a registered plan, such as an RSP. You certainly can change financial institutions if you like. That's no problem. You just got to make sure it moves from a pension plan, which is a registered plan, into another registered type of vehicle, such as an RSP, and you'll be okay tax-wise. 
Hey, Tom, could you provide us with some uh, a biblical perspective with respect to lines of credit or overdraft privileges, which so many of us have? There's nothing wrong or contrary to scripture for an individual or a couple to have, let's say, an equity line of credit against their home or an overdraft privilege. But you have to be extremely careful because the availability of credit can allow you to spend more than you're making and accumulate debt. The better option is for the individual or couple to provide their own emergency fund. In other words, develop a surplus in your cash flow and have some savings. And that's what's much better. Proverbs 21.20 says, In the house of the wise, there is a storage of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours all he has. It's biblical to have some savings. And so that's what I'd encourage you to do. One of the best parts of having you in, Tom, is that you can give us some real life examples because you're just not giving us textbook information. You are counseling and coaching people all the time. So we're hearing this wisdom today, but do you have any real life examples of how someone was able to come up with a plan to deal with the higher interest rates and the inflation to get their finances in order? Yeah, I think of an individual who I started counseling a few years ago. She had accumulated a lot of debt on her credit cards, home equity uh, line of credit, and she had a large mortgage. She had been habitually living paycheck to paycheck and spending all their regular income. The increase in interest rates combined with inflation resulted in consistent monthly deficits. And when her home equity line of credit reached its max, the bank returned a number of checks and she finally realized she had a financial problem. But here's the good news. She went through our in-depth biblical financial study, Financial Management God's Way. And even though she had been a Christian for over 30 years, she had almost no knowledge of what God's word said on finances. And it was God through his word and his spirit. It wasn't me and it wasn't the materials. It was God through his word and his spirit that that changed the way this lady thought about money and material things and the way she managed it. And uh, she learned to be content with less. She developed and followed a budget or a spending plan. And she basically was able to start generating a surplus each month so she could pay down debt. As of today, it's been a couple years later. She's paid off all her credit cards, her home equity line of credit, and she's making additional mortgage payments and she should be totally debt free in about eight years. She praises God for the financial wisdom in his word. This is Faith and Finance with Chartered Accountant Tom Copeland. Today is all about helping you deal with the high interest rates and inflation and whatever other financial question you might have. Tom Copeland is here to help. Coming up, we will ask Tom about whether downsizing is a real possibility for struggling families. That's coming up. Faith and Finance with Chartered Accountant Tom Copeland and your host, Steve Jones. We'll be right back. Financial Moments with Tom Copeland. Since the cost of living is increasing faster than people's salaries, most people will have to reduce their expenses and learn to be content with less. Even the Apostle Paul had to learn to be content. In Philippians 4, Paul said, For I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What was Paul's secret to learning contentment? The answer is is found in verse 13 where Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It was Paul's close personal relationship with the Lord and depending upon God that enabled him to learn to be content with less. Further, Paul was focused on things of eternal value such as the salvation and discipleship of people. If you focus on things of eternal value, then you will also learn to be content with less materially. To learn more, go to copelandfinancialministries.org. Again, copelandfinancialministries.org. To learn more, check out copelandfinancialministries.org. We are back on Faith and Finance with Chartered Accountant Tom Copeland. He has been studying what the Bible says about finances for a very long time and is helping us as we move forward 
in our financial situation. Tom, can you give us that real life example maybe of where an individual or a couple have had to significantly downsize their house or their lifestyle or both as a result of the higher interest rates and inflation? I could give many, many examples because I see them every week, but here's one that I can think of. A committed Christian couple who had never studied God's word on finances, that's common, and as a result, they were managing money the world's way. They were living paycheck to paycheck, spending all of their income, and when their mortgage payment increased significantly, they encountered many financial problems. I had them complete form number six of the Copeland budgeting system with respect to where they had spent their money over the last six months. Proverbs 27, 23 says you need to know your financial facts and eliminate all unnecessary expenses. They understood that Christ promised to meet our needs, but not necessarily our wants and desires. Matthew chapter six. However, the increased mortgage payment was huge and eliminating discretionary expenses was not nearly sufficient. They still had a deficit. So as they studied God's word on finances further, God enabled them to learn to be content with less, Philippians chapter 4. And by downsizing from two cars to one car, we prepared another projected cash flow budget, but they still had a monthly deficit. So now they've eliminated their discretionary expenses. They've gone from two cars to one car. So they had no choice, but they had to downsize from a house to a condominium, which they wisely did before they missed a mortgage payment. For the people that start missing mortgage payments, I got to warn you, if the bank takes over your house, which they will do in due course, they'll sell it at liquidation prices and they'll charge you all kinds of fees. So don't ever let it go that long. It's best to make the decision in advance before you start missing your mortgage payments. Today for this couple, they have a positive monthly cash flow. They're focused on paying down their mortgage. And if they continue as is, within seven years, they should be totally debt-free. And they praise God for the wisdom in his word. Okay, Tom, let's take some more of the questions that have come in. This one came in online. What are some smart investment options right now? I don't give specific investment advice. All I can say is for me personally right now, I'm pretty comfortable with GICs because the rates, that's guaranteed investment certificates, the rates are high and they're very stable and and they're safe. Now, having said that, someone with a long-term horizon may want to put a portion of their funds in equities and take some risk if if they got lots of years before they need the money. Um, With this regard, I'd encourage you to go to our website and watch the three half-hour TV shows on the topic, Investing Money God's Way. And I think you'd find that helpful. Actually, in my book, Financial Management God's Way, the largest chapter in the book is what the Bible says on investing. So there's just a whole lot there. We, we could take up a whole show talking about investing, which actually we did a number of years ago. If you go to our website, you can probably find that show that Steve and I recorded uh, a couple of years ago on the biblical principles of investing. Okay, let's take another question by phone. I have two young adult daughters who are working their field now, and they would love to buy a house, but what the price is and everything is just seems out of reach. Do you have any suggestions on the best way to save for down payments and just to um, make themselves more ready to take all that financial responsibility? That's an excellent question. Thank you for that. Given that your daughters are working full-time, I'd recommend they spend as little as possible and maximize their savings, uh, Proverbs twenty-one twenty. Because often when young people start to work full-time, they tend to spend what they get, but they should do the opposite, really minimize their expenses. Further, they should consider shared accommodation currently in order to minimize their fixed monthly costs. And given that houses are so expensive, they should also consider buying a house together, which will enable them to purchase a house sooner as opposed to doing it on their own. 
And if practical, they would be best to share an automobile and minimize their cost in that respect so that they don't spend any more money than they have to and they can accumulate as much savings as possible. It's not cast in stone, but my view is an individual or a couple before they buy a house should try to save up 20% of the down payment. You avoid the CMHC charge, which is very expensive. And when houses take a correction, which they have the last couple of years, they've dropped in value, you have a cushion, and so you still have some equities in the house. Okay, here's another question from Bill. He's from Toronto. He says, is there someone I can sit down with and help me get my finances under control? Yes, there is. Bill, why don't you go to our website, copelandfinancialministries.org, send me an email. I'll assign you some homework because we need to know something about your finances, your debt load, your monthly cash flow, etc. So we'll get you to complete part of the Copeland budgeting system. There'll be a video that explains how to use it. And once you do that, I can assign you to one of our financial coaches. All of this is done at no charge on a ministry basis, and we can give you biblically-based financial advice. Much of the conversation we've had, Tom, it just naturally seems to flow to married couples and families. But if we focus on those who are single right now, is there a significant difference in the biblical financial advice that you'd provide someone who's married compared to someone who's single? Good question, Steve. The biblical principles that apply to single people, whether they be single, never married, widowed, or divorced, are essentially the same as they are for married couples, but the practical applications can be somewhat different. For example, the biggest difference is that generally a single person has only one source of income. Well, today it's common for both husband and wife to be working. So they have two incomes, which is generally greater than that of a single person. So they got that benefit or advantage, I guess. However, a single person does have an advantage. And here's the advantage. There's only one spender and that's you. So often with couples, one spouse spends unnecessarily and creates all kinds of stress for the other spouse who's more of a saver. I've seen so many cases where a saver is married to a spender. Also, single people may feel at a disadvantage because they have no one to discuss their financial situation with, but that's not true. We have financial coaches who will advise singles as well as couples on a ministry basis at no charge. As a matter of fact, some of my financial coaches are single themselves, and so they understand firsthand the additional financial challenges that singles have. Singles also have an advantage that in generally it's easy for them compared to a couple participate in shared accommodation somehow and thus lowering their overall monthly fixed costs such as rent or a mortgage payment if they happen to buy. So there are some advantages to being single. Okay. Now, I think you touched on something, Tom, just a little bit, but I think we should go back and break it down a little bit. Can we discuss that difficult situation? I know you have seen this before. Let's suppose that you have someone who loves to spend and they're married to someone who loves to save. So the person who loves to save, they manage their money God's way and they're saying, hey, want to save for future needs. But the spender, on the other hand, says, hey, you know, we got the money or we've got the opportunity with the credit and they want to spend as much as possible with the credit cards and personal line of credit and it gets maxed out and the saver goes to purchase groceries. Everything gets denied. Can you just kind of break down what this does to a relationship and what this does to finances? Good question. And my goodness, I see a few of these, several of these actually every week in my ministry. Every week? Every single week. Every single week. It's really common. Opposites attract, they say in marriage, savers are married to spenders. (laughs) And often the spender generally can spend the money faster than the saver can save it. So here's some recommended steps for the saver, because I find it's generally the saver that's reaching out to us for financial counsel. Now, ideally, it should be the spender as well. Ideally, both of them should go through our in-depth study, Financial Management God's Way, learn God's way of finances. 
they don't want to do that, do another study that's similar. I don't know of one in Canada. There is some in the United States. Here's some steps that the saver should take. First, pray and ask God for his wisdom. God promised that in James 1.5. And ask God for a specific direction. Psalms 25.12 said, Who then is the man or woman who fears the Lord? God will instruct him in the way chosen for him. So generally, there's no simple answer. So you need God's insight and discernment. Secondly, the saver should explain to spender that his or her excessive spending has caused significant financial problems. Demonstrate this by way of increased debt levels or negative historical monthly cash flow. Thirdly, pray and ask God to change the spender's heart with respect to managing money. Proverbs 21.1 says, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, and he directs it like a water course wherever he pleases. I've seen some cases where all it required was prayer, and God did change the heart of the spender. Doesn't always happen, but I've seen some cases like that. And given that God's word is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword, Hebrews 4.12, saver or an appropriate friend should gracefully present God's word on finances to the spender. And of course, spender and saver should attend one of our small group biblical financial studies. God's word's powerful in its truth, and it can help them both learn how to manage money God's way and get out from the pressure of having a lot of debt. Okay, I just want to jump in here for a moment. I picture somebody with their pen and a notepad and they're furiously trying to write down all of these <laughs> all of these suggestions. So we will have this program available online in just a few short days. If you need to go back and listen and hear this again, you will have that opportunity. So we've heard five so far, Tom. Do you have any more? Yes, number six would be obtain counsel from a godly financial advisor for the saver as well, but also especially the spender. You need some biblical financial counsel. Seven, discern from God the spiritual battle. Ephesians chapter six talks about the spiritual battle that we're involved in. And you need to fight that battle appropriately, which the main thing is prayer. Second Corinthians 10, four and five talks about that our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the enemy. That's actually Ephesians chapter six. So it's generally through prayer and the revelation of God's truth where we can see some major changes. Number eight, have some trusted friends and members of your church confidentially pray for the spender and also the saver and their children as well. Number nine, if spenders' unnecessary spending continues, start to exercise some tough love. Now, this may be a year or two down the road. This is point number nine. If they continue and they're not listening to any counsel from you or from a friend or whatever, start to exercise some tough love by limiting or canceling your joint line of credit or your credit cards. And if necessary, set up a separate bank account in Saver's name to make sure that the necessities, the mortgage payment, the utilities, the food are all paid for. You don't like to go this far unless it's absolutely necessary, but sometimes it is. Sometimes you have to exercise some tough love. Also wait patiently, Psalms 37.7, but if spender continues to squander money and accumulate debt, and if the needs of the family are at risk, consider following Matthew chapter 18 and going to your church leadership and asking them to pray for you and spender and also counsel and admonish the spender. This is Faith and Finance with Chartered Accountant Tom Copeland. We are studying deep into the, I guess, the challenges that we go through with these high interest rates and the inflation. But we also asked you to submit your questions in advance by phone and online. So let's let's take another one of those phone questions right now. How do you manage your money practically when prices everywhere are going up but my income isn't following? That's a common question and um, not an easy one to answer. I would say, first of all, try to earn more money where you can, maybe working part-time because, yes, inflation 
is generally uh, greater than most people's salaries increases. And if you have any kind of debt, certainly the increase in interest rates is way higher than almost everybody's salary increases. Secondly, look at where you've spent your money over the last six months. Go through your bank statements, credit card statements, etc., and determine what did you spend that was unnecessary and just eliminate those unnecessary expenses and then put together a budget that shows that you can somehow make it so you got a surplus each month. You don't want to be in a deficit each month. If that continues and continues, eventually it just gets worse and worse. And more importantly, go to our website, copelandfinancialministries.org. Learn God's word on finances. Most people, when they're in debt, have violated biblical financial principles, generally unknowingly. Okay, I have another question online. This is from Kathy and Barry. She says, I'm 65 years old and recently divorced and receiving a pension. I have enough money for a down payment on a very modest condo, but would require a $250,000 mortgage on top of that. Do I buy one at my age or do I find a place I love and just rent? Thanks for that question, Kathy. Long term, it's generally better to own your own place as it provides stability for you as no landlord can ask you to leave. Further, you won't be subject to the risk of significantly increased rental rates, which have occurred over the last couple of years. I get complaints from so many people in the ministry where the rents are going up and up, where the landlord's asking them to leave because he's going to do rentals. And sometimes that's just an excuse to get the people out so they can rent it at the uh, higher current market rates, which are much higher. But I recommend for people, whenever possible, do try to own your own place. But there's some practical aspects. Prepare a future budget and determine if you can afford the mortgage payment along with the condo fees, the utilities, etc. And if you can, you're probably better off long term to own your own accommodation. Okay, I have another online question from Leslie in Newmarket. Is it godly to invest in cryptocurrency as a Christian? Cryptocurrency, of course, is not addressed in the Bible because it didn't exist back when the scriptures were written. And I don't give specific investment advice. I'll just share my own feelings on cryptocurrency. I don't invest in it. Why don't I invest in it? Because I really question what are you investing in? It's a currency that's been created by the tech people. And the tech people can earn some of that currency by solving an algorithm, which most of us cannot. The currency is not backed by anything. It's not like, say, you buy U.S. currency. It's backed by the Federal Reserve. They'll support if it goes down. It's backed by 300 million Americans. It's not backed by anything that I can see. Also, I've had too many testimonies in the ministry that I've received where people have lost a lot of money on cryptocurrency because it's highly volatile and very risky. And other cases where they tried to get their money back out and they couldn't. And even one case where actually there's been a few cases where the cryptocurrency was stolen and there was no practical way for them to get it back. So my own personal decision, I will not invest in cryptocurrency. This is Faith and Finance with Chartered Accountant Tom Copeland. We love our country. I know we certainly have some things that we'd all like to improve in our country. We all have suggestions, but we can certainly understand why people all over the world would love to have the opportunity to live in Canada. And we have seen a lot of that over the past number of years. Lots of people have immigrated to Canada. Do you have any advice for a new Canadian with respect to some of the challenges they might face? Yes, Steve. Here's an example I believe applies to a lot of new Canadians. A few years ago, I met with a fellow who attended one of my half-day workshops. He had been in Canada only for a few weeks. When he got to Canada, he had no job and just a small amount of cash. Without requesting 
anything. One of the banks offered him a credit card and a line of credit, explaining that in Canada, it is appropriate to spend freely on your credit card. And don't worry, no concerns. If you max out on your credit card, you have a line of credit to back you up. And by doing this, you would develop a good credit rating. Fortunately, from attending one of my workshops, he could see that the banker's advice was contrary to God's word, the Bible, and he did not follow it. So one of my messages to new Canadians is do not fall into the easy credit trap and spend more than you can afford and accumulate debt because eventually you will suffer some very negative consequences, especially during a time like this when interest rates are so high. I think it's kind of exciting that we have some new people who are now a part of Canada and that they're finding you uh, very early on in their time in Canada. Do you have another story of someone that you met? Yeah, someone um, that I connected with a couple of years ago who didn't uh, get into God's word initially and did things the way it's being promoted in Canada and the U.S., that was a new Canadian. He wrote me a five-page letter. He explained that he and his wife had come to Canada in order to have the better life. Shortly after arriving in Canada, they both got good jobs with excellent incomes. At the encouragement of their professional colleagues, friends, and bankers, they bought an expensive house, took on a big mortgage, purchased two expensive automobiles with 0% financing, of course, ran up their credit cards and their personal line of credit. And within a few years, they had a pile of debt and were stressed out about finances, even though their combined incomes was considerably higher than average. He explained that where they came from, there were no credit cards, no lines of credit, and the only thing you could borrow for was a house. Back home, he and his wife owned a modest home with a small mortgage and just one used car and no car loan and no other debts. He said life was simple and managing their monthly cash flow was easy and not stressful. However, in Canada, even though they were earning very high incomes, lived in a much larger home with two expensive cars, they were not happy but rather stressed about finances. As a result, they decided to go through an in-depth study, Financial Management God's Way. They learned they had been violating a number of biblical financial principles, even though they'd been Christians for over 20 years. And God, through his word, 2 Timothy chapter 3, and his spirit, changed the way they thought about and the way they managed money. They prayed and they depended upon the Lord to enable them to learn to be content. So they downsized their house, downsized their cars, and within one year, they had paid off their credit cards, personal line of credit, and two automobile loans. They thank the good Lord for the wisdom in his word. Well, praise God. This is Faith and Finance with Tom Copeland. Today, we are covering a lot of ground by taking your questions submitted in advance, along with going deep into the topics of high interest rates and inflation. We have been hearing how not to manage finances during this challenging time. So what would it look like right now if someone has been following what the Bible has been said that the Bible teaches all along. So we know people who maybe kind of got into debt troubles and with high interest rates, but what if they were following God's biblical principles all along? We are going to discuss that next. Faith and Finance with Chartered Accountant Tom Copeland and your host, Steve Jones. We'll be right back. Financial Moments with Tom Copeland. A mortgage with a fixed rate means that the bank is committed to giving you that fixed rate for the agreed term. A mortgage with a variable rate means that the rate goes up and down depending upon the bank's prime rate. Whether you should go with a fixed or variable rate mortgage depends upon where interest rates are going in the future. If rates are going higher, then you're better off with a fixed rate mortgage. But if the rates are going to decrease, then you're better off with a variable rate mortgage. I don't know the future, only God does, Isaiah 46.10. So every Christian needs to pray and discern exactly what God wants them to do. In Psalms 32 eight, God promised, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. In my next financial moment, I will advise you on how you can discern God's specific will 
where you can listen to the series titled Discerning God's Will and Managing Money, available from our website, copelandfinancialministries.org. To learn more, check out copelandfinancialministries.org. We are back on Faith and Finance with Chartered Accountant Tom Copeland. We are going to take some more questions from you after we take on the topic of inflation and higher interest rates from a different perspective. Tom, can you give us an example of an individual or a couple who have managed their money according to biblical financial principles over the last several years? And I guess we could ask, have the high interest rates and inflation impacted them as much or at all? Good question, Steve. First of all, the people that have followed biblical principles, they followed God's admonition and his encouragement in scripture to minimize their debt or to get out of debt completely. That's Deuteronomy 23. And Proverbs 22, 7 warns that if you borrow money, you may become a servant to lender. So these people that have been doing it for a number of years and have little or no debt, they're not significantly impacted by the higher interest rates. As a matter of fact, in many cases, if they have savings, Proverbs 21, 20, they're going to be thankful that the interest rates are higher because they're getting more money on their GICs. So they're not going to be affected. In this respect, I think of Matthew chapter 7, where we have the parable of the wise and the foolish builders. If you remember that parable, it goes like this. Jesus said, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the wise man who built his house upon the rock. The rains came down, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it was built upon the rock. What is it built upon? The rock of Jesus Christ's word about finances. But unfortunately, that's not the case for most people. But everyone who hears these words of mine, Christ said, but does not put them into practice is like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rains came down, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. And there's many people in our country that are going to lose their homes because of the amount of debt they have. And I'm concerned for these people and I'm trying to help them. This is Faith and Finance with Chartered Accountant Tom Copeland. We have another question from online. This one comes from Muskoka. Is it better to have a private mortgage or go through a bank? It's flexible. Um, generally speaking, the big banks will give you the better interest rates than a private mortgage. However, there can be exceptions. For example, if you're borrowing money from a friend or relative, they may give you a very good deal. But generally speaking, most people are better to go to one of the major financial institutions because they have lower rates. Because often when you go for a private mortgage, it usually means the individual or couple do not qualify with one of the big banks. So they usually have to pay a higher interest rate and a mortgage brokerage fee. So I'd say shop around and see who will give you the best deal. Okay, let's take another question by phone. So I'm thinking about going back to school, but I still have some student loans that I'm currently paying off. What would be the best way to save for school while still keeping in mind that I have loans that I need to pay off? Here's a few uh, principles I think you should follow. Um, First of all, spend as little as possible. Eliminate all wants and desires and only focus on needs so that you have a maximum cash flow to pay down some of your debt. Secondly, I'd recommend that you work full-time during the summer and part-time during the school year in order to earn as much income in order to pay off your student loans and save for additional university costs. And I would say this, if you've accumulated a lot of debt, maybe you're best to work full-time for one year and then go back to school after that one year. But of course, during that one year, make sure you save as much as you can. I've helped lots of people get through university and college with little or no debt, and it's the best solution. Unfortunately, most young people, when they go to university, college, they get the credit cards, the lines of credit, they buy a lot of things that they really don't need, and they end up with a pile of debt and suffer the consequences later. Tom, a number of us have fixed 
rate mortgages and maybe they just have not come due yet or they maybe it's going to be later this year or sometime in 2024 and some may even not be until 2025 so there's a lot of people who are not negatively impacted so far by the higher interest rates so what advice would you give to those people who have a mortgage coming due maybe in the next few years I'd say, first of all, uh, check with at least three financial institutions to see what their current and best rates are for your upcoming mortgage renewal. Determine how much your mortgage payment will be. Determine this well in advance before it matures. Determine it under the variable and the fixed options. And also determine what the payment's going to be with the appropriate amortization period. Secondly, prepare a, a projected spending plan or a budget to determine how much you can afford to pay on your mortgage after it's renewed. If you have a projected monthly deficit, then you need to look at eliminating non-essential expenses and see if you can get your budget to balance. If you cannot come up with a reasonable spending plan that is a budget that demonstrates you can afford the higher mortgage payment, then you need to either earn more income or make some tough decisions to downsize your lifestyle, which may include selling one of your cars, um, maybe doing staycations instead of vacations, or downsizing your home. Okay. And what advice would you have or would you give to people who have a lot of debt and they're completely stressed out because of it and because of the higher interest rates? Here's some uh, biblical advice I'd give to them. First of all, learn God's word on finances. Most people have been violating biblical principles unknowingly, and that's why they have debt. I'd say in 98% of the cases when people are in debt, they have violated biblical principles. I can give them the scripture reference of what they violated. Secondly, list out all your debts, face the facts, list them out, include the repayment terms, the maturity date, and the interest rates. You need to face the truth about your finances. If you ignore it, it will just get worse. Proverbs 27, 23 says, be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. Remember at that time, most people were farmers. So the modern day application of this scripture is to know where you're at financially and knowing what your debts consist of is very important. Thirdly, develop and implement a spending plan to ensure that you spend less than you earn and you have a surplus each month in order to pay down debt and save for future needs. In the parable of the tower, Christ admonished us to plan ahead. Next, use your monthly surplus to pay down the most expensive debt first, which is usually your credit cards, and then pay down the other debts. And going forward, be sure to track your expenses. Um, You can use form number six of the Copeland budgeting system. It's available from our website for free. And this way, by tracking your expenses, you're going to know your financial facts rather than guessing. Also, you'll become more conscious of where your money is going and you'll tend to spend less. I'd also recommend if you're married, show where you're spending money to your spouse. And if you're single, have an accountability partner. Okay, Tom, let's say that someone is in serious financial difficulty and they see no way out of it except declaring bankruptcy. What advice would you give to them? I'd say this, for over four decades, I've provided biblical financial advice to thousands of individuals and couples. I've seen people with large mortgages, huge credit card debt, personal lines of credit, and two car loans, etc. For those individuals who learned and implemented the biblical principles, in almost every case, almost every case, God enabled them to get out of debt and avoid bankruptcy. Often God would provide by way of little miracles, but also the individuals would often learn to distinguish between a need versus a want and desire, and they would eliminate the unnecessary expenses. Typically, they would learn to be content with less, as Paul talked about in Philippians chapter 4, and typically they would develop and follow a budget to ensure they had a surplus each month so they could pay down debt. This is Faith and Finance with Chartered Accountant Tom Copeland. We only have a few minutes left. This is a lot to take in, but thankfully Tom has a lot of resources available to you. 
So maybe you can take a moment to grab a piece of paper and a pen or have your phone ready to take some notes. We will share that information with you next. Faith and Finance with Chartered Accountant Tom Copeland and your host, Steve Jones. We'll be right back. Financial Moments with Tom Copeland. In order to discern God's will, whether it should go with a fixed or variable mortgage rate, God can provide specific direction in several ways. As you read God's word, God can highlight key scriptures that direct you. Psalms 119.105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. Number two, God can speak to you through a godly financial or mortgage advisor. Psalms 1. God can provide his peace or lack of peace with respect to any proposed financial decision. Jesus said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. For example, if you're not experiencing God's peace with respect to a proposed mortgage renewal that you receive from your bank, then God is directing you to look elsewhere for the financing that you need. And of course, before you make the final decision with respect to your mortgage refinancing, pray and ask God for his wisdom, James 1.5, and his specific direction, Psalms 25.12. To learn more, check out copelandfinancialministries.org. We are back with Tom Copeland for Faith and Finance. We have been taking your phone calls and email questions that you submitted in advance. So let's take one more of those phone calls. Hi, Tom. This is Heather from Barry. And my question is, what is the benefit of having a credit card if you pay off the balance the day you charge anything to it? Wouldn't you just use your bank account? Thanks for your view on this. We appreciate your help. Thanks for your question, Heather. There is one benefit to having a credit card, even if you pay it off right away. And by the way, that's great that you're paying it off right away and not running a balance, which most people do. The one benefit of having a credit card and paying it off right away is it helps you develop a credit rating. It's amazing when you go to the bank and ask for a bank loan, if people don't have a credit card, which is rare, and if they haven't borrowed money anywhere, they have no credit rating, and some bankers look at that very negatively. Let's say you eventually want to buy a house. So that's the one advantage of having a credit card. What I say to most people, don't put anything on your credit card unless you know you got the money in the bank to pay it, and don't buy things you really don't need. And paying it off right away, I think that's a good idea. That's good. Just continue doing what you're doing. Tom, I have a question here from Valerie, who lives in Halifax, Nova Scotia, listening online. She says, my husband and I have a surplus of cash, and we have several grandchildren. We have prayed, and we sense from the Lord that God would have us give some money to the grandchildren. Could you provide an outline of the biblical principles that would apply with respect to allocating funds to our kids, and in this case, especially for our grandkids? Thanks for that question, Valerie. That's a good one. And yes, it certainly is biblical for grandparents to help out their grandkids. Proverbs 13.22 says, A good man leaves an inheritance to his children and his children's children. I can think of um, three options that you consider following. The first option, if the grandchild has a history of buying a lot of things that they don't need, you should not just give them a lump sum of money and allow them to spend it as they wish, as they'll likely squander it, but rather designate the funds for a specific purpose, hyphen, perhaps you should just issue a check directly to the university or college they're attending and help pay for their tuition fees. Option two, if the grandchild has a really good track record of using money wisely, then you're probably fairly safe to give them a lump sum and ask them to manage it according to God's principles. But don't give it to them all at once. Follow up and see how they've used the money. 
In option three, if you're not sure how they manage money, which could apply in many cases, then I'd recommend that you follow the biblical principle provided in the parable of the talents, Matthew chapter 25, where you entrust them with a certain amount of money, less than what you intend to give to them overall, and ask them to give you an account in the future as to how they use the money. If they've managed it well, then you can entrust them with more. If they haven't managed it well, then you can't entrust them with more. And in all cases, I strongly recommend that you teach them the biblical principles of managing money. In that regard, I'd encourage them to watch my eight half-hour TV shows on our website called God's Financial Wisdom for Young People. These can be accessed at our website, copelandfinancialministries.org. Thank you so much for your questions. I know it applies to your life, but it also helps the rest of us learn something that maybe we didn't know. This has been a lot to take in, but Tom has many resources on his website, copelandfinancialministries.org. That's copelandfinancialministries.org. In addition, you can join Tom's Financial Moment email list. A Financial Moment is a one-minute summary of a biblical principle on finance. If you'd like a copy of the audio file of this interview, it can be downloaded from that website, from copelandfinancialministries.org. In just a few days, probably early next week, Furthermore, Tom or one of his financial coaches can provide biblically-based financial advice to individuals, couples, or business owners. If you're interested, you can go to the website and send Tom an email. Again, to access some of those excellent resources, go to copelandfinancialministries.org or follow them on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter under Bible Finance. Tom, I understand you just recently completed a brand new book. Can you tell us about that? That's right, Steve. It's called Management of Money Impacts Your Relationship with God, Your Spouse, and Eternity. This is the most advanced biblical study I've ever written. Most Christians have no idea that how they manage money will result in rewards or lack of rewards when they get to heaven, when we stand before the Lord at the Bema, 2 Corinthians 5.10. The cost is $20 plus shipping. As usual, we don't make any profit on this. And if anyone would like a copy of the book, go to our website, copelandfinancialministry.org. And as usual, if you cannot afford the book, then just send us an email explaining your financial difficulties and we will send you a copy for free. I'd make one other comment. Out of all the books I've written, this is the most advanced. And I think every committed Christian should have a look at this book. And it's not because I've wrote it. It's because there's so many scriptures there that really help us understand that what we're doing here on this earth is going to have an impact in eternity. And once you die and go to heaven, you can't come back to this earth and do life all over again. You missed your opportunity to build up treasures, and just to be a blessing to so many people. So I encourage you to get a copy of this book. Tom, some may not be aware that you also have some small groups that are going to be starting shortly. Can you talk about that? Yes, a number of small groups, uh, they're all going to be on Zoom, will be going through my in-depth study, Financial Management God's Way. This is the study where we see the most significant permanent change in the way people manage money. It requires about three hours a week of homework, and each session is about two hours And it goes on for 12 sessions. All of these groups will be on Zoom, so it doesn't matter where you live. So to register or for additional details, go to copelandfinancialministries.org. Okay. There is also a half-day workshop that you're going to be leading shortly. Can you tell us about that? Yes, it's at Parkway Bible Church in Scarborough from 9.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. on Saturday, September the 30th, 2023. There's no charge. A free will offering will be taken. I will teach people God's financial principles and I'll help them deal with the higher interest rates and eliminating debt. Tom, this has been such a timely topic because of the higher interest rates and they're causing such significant financial problems for so many people. Do you have any final comments? 
Yes, I'd encourage everyone to invest the time to learn what the Bible says about finances. It's so critical. Again, for those who have managed money God's way for the past several years, the higher interest rates and inflation will have no major negative impact on them. So if you haven't been following the biblical principles, I really encourage you to learn and apply them as soon as possible. In addition, develop a future budget well before your mortgage comes due so that you won't end up in a financial mess if indeed your mortgage payment increases substantially. The sooner you do it, the better. Tom, it has been so good to have you here. Would you close the program in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you that your word says so much on finances. We know, Lord, that it's living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, that it penetrates the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart, Hebrews 4.12. Father, I know that I don't change anybody's life with respect to managing money, but you do through your word and your spirit. And I'd ask that you just through your word and your spirit, speak to the people who are listening, encourage them to follow up to not just be a hearer of the word, but also a doer, as James talked about, and just guide and direct them every step of the way. Lord, we claim Psalms 32, 8, where you said that you would instruct us and teach us in the way we should go, that you would counsel us and watch over us. In Jesus' name, amen. Faith and Finance is produced by Life 100.3. Many thanks to our studio guest, chartered accountant, Tom Copeland. The fact that God has a plan for you also means that you need to be clear in understanding the gifts and resources that God has given your family and how you can work together to serve him. This understanding should direct where you give, where you invest, Invest your time and money and how you view the world. Thanks.